0: Welcome to the Adventure Life Podcast, where we are finding adventure in the God of every day. And now your host,
1: Will Ratliff. Good day, Adventure Lifers. Welcome to the Adventure Life Podcast. I'm your host, Will Ratliff. And boy, have I got an episode for you today. Joining me today is author and podcaster, Wayne Jacobson. He's also a friend, someone who I am so excited to introduce to you. He's someone who has helped me immensely in my own spiritual journey, even before I knew him personally. And he has visited Amarillo. He's been to Amarillo, actually. He stayed in our home. uh, And I can tell you, he's the real deal. And one of the things I really respect about him the most is that he walks the things that he talks about, that he writes about, speaks about, and he also has no desire to be known as the expert or be sought after as, quote unquote, the guy to know or be known, but consistently points people to Jesus and Father. And I so respect and admire that. And one of his greatest desires is just to engage people in this conversation around the journey and the adventure of, of knowing God and what he calls living loved. He also has a new book that is being released and may already be released by the time we air this podcast, which we're going to talk about a little bit. And I'm also going to give a copy away at the very end, so stay tuned. Find out how you can win a copy of the book. It's called Live, Loved, Free, and Full, and we dive into what that means as well as ways that Father has called him to live that out in his own journey. So stick around until the end if you want a chance to at the book giveaway. Or you can just fast forward, I guess. Um, I'll you know, I'll get over it eventually. But you really don't want to miss this conversation with my friend Wayne. Wayne Jacobson, welcome to the Adventure Life Podcast. Well, thank you all. Glad you're here. So we're about just a week into twenty twenty one. So we, we both made it. Through 2020, and uh, how's how's the first first few days of your of your new year gone?
0: Oh, it's been uh, pretty normal. I'm not a big uh, New Year's guy, so to me, it's just another week as life rolls on. So,
1: all right, well, good. Your family family good, and
0: family's good. Though this week was kind of crazy uh, nationally speaking, but uh, at yeah. the home life here, everything's good. We've stayed COVID-free so far, and uh, hunkered down a bit here in California where it's raging pretty heavily.
1: I don't wanted to let people just get a little bit of background on you, and if you want to just tell people who you are and kind of what, a little bit about what you do.
0: Uh, well, I'm retired, so <laughs> <laughs> officially this year I don't get paid for nothing anymore, which is kind of cool, but uh, uh, former pastor, um, last 25 years, been writing and traveling and teaching and consulting, mostly on themes of learning to live loved, to live in the love of God, instead of trying to earn it, to live in the reality of it. Uh, it's a trajectory that has changed my life dramatically. So I, I blog, I podcast, I mostly, the, the most valuable things I do is spending time talking to people and helping them sort out their own journey, how it is that God wants to make himself known to them, how it is they can know that their love, not because somebody told them or they read it in a book, but because God wins that in their heart. And then uh, we enjoy the process of what that changes in us, making us uh, more generous people in the world, able to love others more freely, as we've been left. So,
1: yeah, you've got a, a new book coming out that uh, that really addresses a lot of that. The central theme is around living loved.
0: Yeah, I never thought I would do a book like this. The book's called Live Loved Free Full, which is kind of a tagline for LifeStream Ministries, which is uh, LifeStream.org is where I hang out a lot of stuff. Um, a college girl uh, put this together for me, a college intern we had hired years back, went through my website, cold off a, a lot of the information that had gotten lost to antiquity, and uh, organized them, at, at my request, into 365 short little devotionals uh, that were designed to help people lean into more relational space in their day. Instead of being just impacted by what's going on around me and what circumstances are throwing at me and what the world's throwing at me, what my distractive entertainments are throwing at me. To really have a moment to uh, kind of reflect on something about God, his priorities for our life and how we lean into that space. And I tell you, working on this book over the last year was more of a joy than I thought it would be. It started as a chore. I mean, I got to go through there, make sure I still believe some of this stuff. Uh, and I want to update a lot of it with language I would use now more than language I would use, say, 10 or 15 years ago. And uh, I found myself not remembering some things I'd written that had become more real in my life than when I wrote about them the first time. And so the book was kind of a trek through my past and updating things to the present and left me more in the presence of God and more aware, I'd say, more better said, more aware of his presence than I ever have been. And so I'm, I'm really excited for other people to have a shot. And the friends I have reading this book already ahead of its uh, release are, are telling me exactly. It's doing what I hoped it would do, which is inviting people into a wider view of their world before they start their day and perhaps see God's fingerprints in it more effectively. So.
1: Yeah. And I've been privileged to, to see an advanced copy of the book. And I, you know, what I, what I've read is, is great. And it's, you know, so helpful. And I think just, you know, right now with everything that's going on, the tensions politically, the tensions racially, you know, I can't think of a better time for a book like this to come out. Because like you said, there's so much chaos and, and just, you know, just extremism in the world right now. But just to start your day, and it's a devotional book, by the way, uh, we'll mention that. It's, there's 365 days of just learning to live in, you know, Father's love and, and more just of that peaceful peaceful space. So I know it's been been helpful for me just starting the new year with with some of those readings, and, and I know it will be for others.
0: Yeah, you don't have to start at January 1. It's not written like it's in order of something, so you can start at any time and just wrap around to the next year, and uh, I hope it's a book that people will treasure from year to year. I, I've got friends who are reading it who are already reading They're writing me back about July and August, and <laughs> oh my gosh, I couldn't stop. Man, there's no way I could eat just one of these a day. And so uh, that, that's exciting to me. What's not exciting is I was supposed to have those books on my desk yesterday. The trucking company had assured me they'd be arriving. They did not arrive. And uh, a phone call told me they're actually not going to be here till Tuesday. So fortunately, my distributor has them. So they're being mailed out to those who pre-ordered them. But uh, I, I haven't seen a copy yet. I'm dying to. <laughs> I bet. A very beautiful book. We had a great designer on it. The cover is very attractive. And the book, it's a hardback with a ribbon in it so people can hold their place and I've never done a hardback before, so it's exciting.
1: Yeah, it's a, just a really beautiful cover and really beautiful looking book, and looks looks nice. I don't have a, a hard copy in my hands either, so I got the oh, okay. I got the PDF version, but yeah, I'm excited to get a copy as well, and and uh, we might even give one away, so to to a lucky listener. But um, yeah, I want to dive dive in just kind of that theme of of living loved and what it means uh, before we do that. I know you and I go back a ways. We go back a few years. And I don't know if you realize actually how far we go back. Uh, I don't. I, <laughs> I, was, I, I was looking through my Google Drive. I don't know. It was a couple of weeks ago. And I found this letter that I had written to you. And I think it was back in like 2008 or 2009. Wow.
0: That's so that's my,
1: early. Yeah. My, my first experience with you was actually, I was, I, was and I remember I was walking through Mardell Christian bookstore here in Amarillo. And I saw your book, So You Don't Want to Go to Church Anymore. Which I think, if I remember correctly, was published around two thousand eight or two thousand nine, somewhere in there.
0: Two thousand five, actually.
1: Oh, five. Okay. Yeah. So, so I, you know, I saw that book. I read it. It was at a pivotal pivotal moment in my life. Uh, I was in my last year of full time ministry, vocational ministry, and you know, it just really helped put a lot of a lot of words to you know things I was feeling. And I know I know you've heard that quite a bit that you know you just have a just have a good way with words, and you know, there's there's things that people really connect with in your writing, and you know, so. And I know from then, I actually was uh, planning on you know starting and did started you know an organic church. I think I wrote you or emailed you. I just had this you know just kind of this urging to email you and just say, hey, you know, really appreciated the book. You you know really spoke words into you know the things that I was. Thinking and feeling, and I was just shocked that you wrote me back. And, that was, and I think it was like in a day or two. And so, one, I'd never emailed an author to really say, "Hey, thank you," but you know, I really didn't expect you to write back. And so, that that really meant a lot to me. And then uh, I think you told me to to think again about kind of the thing, you know, those things that I was thinking. But I, you know, I didn't listen, and I, <laughs> and I pursued. That organic church, anyway. But things about you know year in, kind of fell apart, and you know we started looking at different things. That that's when I revisited, I think, your writings, and also started listening to the God Journey, your podcast, and you know, and that has really helped shape and kind of reshape just a lot of my views on God, church, ministry, things like that. Which you know that those had already been forming. God had already been working in those things. But yeah, we go. I guess technically we go back about 12 years, you know, 11 or 12 years or so. But then a few years after that, you know, once that organic church kind of folded, then uh, I know you you came out. And you you know, spent time in our home and helped lead a, a men's retreat for me. And so our relationships kind of kind of grown since then. So it's been it's been fun to see that, you know, kind of go back, read that letter, and and see the history of, you know, just our our friendship and things growing over time.
0: Yeah, and only a good new friendship out of that trip. I also got a great hamburger, some dive.
1: And, uh, <laughs> yeah, for those of Amarilloans know Coyote Bluff pretty well. It's definitely a hole in the wall, and you want to make sure you have your tetanus shot before you go.
0: <laughs> well, I've been trying to get back there, but my goodness, the COVID's kept us kind of home homebound here for a bit. So,
1: someday. Yeah, yeah I know you've traveled a lot before, before last year, and now you're doing a lot of traveling via Zoom, a lot of Zooming now.
0: Instead, I haven't been there since March, and I have not missed it. I've not missed flying. I have loved. I've woken up every day beside my wife, which has just not been true for a big stretch of my life. So uh, there's some real blessings in this uh, pandemic for me. Uh, I know it's a lot of tragedy for people, and I know the stresses it has put on people's jobs and businesses, and feel horrible about it. But uh, I think that's part of, to me, the magic of living loved. Uh, what we've been talking about because we wake up every day, and there's Stuff that's coming at us. It can be a bad relationship. It can be our marriage is kind of not on a good keel. It could be disappointments at work could be laid off could be not having a job could be sickness could be a good friend dying could be all kinds of things and not just COVID cancers and other things are still affecting people. And yet, I mean, that's one level of reality, and we try to escape that sometimes, and we've got an endless set of entertainment options now to uh, uh, podcasts, uh, movies, to streaming stuff, to, you know, we've got endless sense of ways people retreat out of the real world into a false world and as a comfort, as a release, and yet there's a whole other world that exists around us that our eyes are not tuned to, that our ears are not tuned to as well. And that's the reality of God and his kingdom and how it's coming into the world. And there's a whole reality to God that's bigger than what we call church and bigger than going to meetings, listening to sermons, bigger than that. It's God with us in those realities coming at us. Like, how does God make sense of the pandemic for me? How does God make sense of the financial need in my home or the loneliness I feel not being able to have my friends near me or all that, what is God doing in that moment? And how do I see him? And to me, that's, That's what people often miss that I don't want them to miss. I'm hoping this new book will help people as one person. It's like having coffee with Wayne every morning and just helping. And I hope it's not coffee with Wayne. I hope in the long haul, it's a chance to glimpse God's fingerprints in my life. And doesn't mean we see him perfectly. I don't. I'm not expecting you to, but If we're navigating a day and we get glimpses of, oh, God might be here, or this is something he's saying to me that sets my heart at rest in the midst of trying moments, that's what God came to do. That's what Jesus came to do, to be God with us every day that we live, in every circumstance we confront. And unfortunately, our religious ambitions, aspirations, and rituals have not equipped us to recognize that. They've taught us how to be good Christians and read our Bibles and pray and go to meetings and sing worship songs that are wonderful and glorious, and I wouldn't be down on any of that stuff. But if what you're doing doesn't help you see God's fingerprints or hear His whispers in your ear better, then you need some other resources to help you learn that, because unfortunately, most people have not been taught that.
1: Yeah, so where do you feel like that disconnect is between you know, living loved and then living out of that sense of religious duty or obligation? Where does where does that come from?
0: At the root, I think, the root of it all is whether we're living self centered, or other centered. Um, we tend, by birth, by inclination, to sin and flesh. To be very egoistic people, we're very self-centered, and I don't mean that. Just you know, I know people picture them the very selfish, greedy, grabby, and I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we orient toward life based on what do I need? What do I need to feel safe? What do I need to survive? What do I need to get? What how can I be happy? How can I, I I I, and religion is not an answer to that. Religion, even the Christian religion, is still an appeal to me, my gifts, my ministry, my this, my that, and the more. And I was just reading Isaiah 53, 55 the other day, where, where he says, you're fasting and you're praying and you hope that you will see me better, but you're not seeing me better because what you're doing, you're doing for selfish reasons. You're all wrapped up in yourselves. And when you're wrapped up in you, we can't see him. And the only thing, the only antidote I know, because I'm infected by that too. I have a me first Wayne inside me <laughs> every day. And it doesn't, I mean, it, it doesn't diminish over time. It's always there. But when I'm loved and I'm taking my identity as the beloved son of a gracious father, and God, what are you doing in me today? And I can trust that you're bigger than the stuff I'm facing. The invitation into that world, and to me, that when you talk about adventure life, to me, that's the adventure. The adventure is right there. It's not the circumstances coming at me. It's how is God making himself known in this? How, when, when choices change, when you go from vocational ministry to something else, and, and, and not a lot of people, I don't know about your story, I don't remember for sure, but not a lot of people move from vocational ministry to something else out of a real freedom of choice. You know, often there's just, I can't keep going on with this thing, or I've, the pastor doesn't like me anymore, I've had questions that's not allowed here. A lot of people end, out, end up out of it, not by choice, but just where conscience led them to go. And if you're there alone, how devastating is that? But if you're there with the creator of the universe, if you're inside whatever circumstance I'm in, uh, I know Sarah and I went through a real stress in our marriage a few years back where I just, it was due to some work God was doing in Sarah. But, man, I thought we were losing our relationship, and I thought I was the focus of it and the blame of it. And I'll tell you what, I was in Russia when it unfolded. So I was alone. Sarah was here in the States. Oh, wow. And my heart hurt so bad. But I, one thing I know, I was never alone in that moment. There was insight about do this, don't do that. just, And it was saving me from the stupid things Wayne would do to save himself in those moments. Or even save my marriage by my own strength. It saved me from that. And it opened up a different adventure that was scary. Oh, it was horrible scary. And I'm thinking... I mean, God asked me one night because I'd gotten this email from Sarah and she had tenderly let me into a place in her heart where she had always felt like she was stupid. And no one saw her as a a, a brilliant person. And yet I did. I, I I've always seen her that way. I, I married I think it's one of the most brilliant women I know. But this is this is forty years into our marriage. And there's some things from her childhood coming untangled in Sarah, thank God, because it's made her a different woman for the Now, seven years since that. But in the midst of that, a lot of that dissatisfiedness in her focused on me. And I remember laying awake in my bedroom in Russia, St. Petersburg, teaching a conference, doing 16 hour days of speaking and being translated, having conversations with people in and out of Russian. I get this email from Sarah and I'm devastated. And I I sleep for a few hours because, you know, midnight over there is like nine in the morning over here. So Sarah's just waking up and she sent me this email and I didn't get it till I got in from the day. And it devastated me. And I went into a very fitful sleep and about three o'clock woke up and I woke up very aware that God was in the room with me. And he put this thought in my head. He said, uh, if Sarah would only know my joy without you, would you let her go? See, that's not the way Wayne saves his marriage, man. I was going to get on a phone first thing in the morning. I was going to fix everything. It just, would you let her go? And I, I had that tender place in my heart for my wife that said, yes, if Sarah, if I'm the barrier, if in fact I am the barrier to Sarah knowing God's joy, yes, God, I would willingly step out of this relationship. Uh, but that took three hours to get there. I mean, it was a lot of screaming and crying, and heck no, God, I'm not doing that. And I can quote you scriptures, to, but I'm quoting scriptures at God, which is really sad. <laughs> Because I knew it was him. And three hours I surrendered. and said, yes, I would. And he said, tell her. And I wrote her an email. Just said, babe, I, I, just, I read your last email. I really feel like if I'm the barrier to what God's doing in you, then I would willingly step aside right now and just let you have this journey with God. Uh, but I didn't want her to like, oh, he's tired of me and that's an out. So I, then I wrote this other paragraph about it. I want to tell you something. I will never seek love in another human being. If this marriage doesn't work, I, I will always stay available to you and I will die with your name on my lips if we don't find ba- our way back together. And uh, it was two days before I heard back from her. So it was a pretty painful two days. And part of it was she was seeing somebody, a counselor, and the counselor was telling her, Man, your husband must be really a horrible person. And, you know, just she was kind of putting the focus on me as being the one that thought she was stupid. And then When the therapist read that email, or the the counselor, she looked at my wife and said, your husband is not your problem. And that's when they traced it back to something else. And so two days later, I get an email, and the first thing it said was, let's get one thing straight. I will never be joyful without you. Mm. And I didn't care. It was a four-page email. I didn't care what the rest of it said right then. I'd spent two days feeling like I lost the only thing I really loved. And then I fly back from Europe, and now... It was like as I was coming back into town, I felt like the guy that was out of town and said his wife had died, went to a funeral, came home, and the wife was still in the house. I I had back the one thing I thought I lost. And it has changed my relationship with Sarah ever since. I love her differently. I love her more selflessly. But that was an adventure God invited me on. I wouldn't have been smart enough to work all that out myself. I look back on it going, oh, my gosh, what an adventure. But I would never— If God hadn't spoken to my heart and said, would you let her go and then tell her, this journey wouldn't have happened. And Sarah and I might still be in the same marriage we were before, and it's okay. Uh, We thought it was great. I thought it was great. Uh, But now it's so much greater. And and I know I love her with less of Wayne's needs involved in the conversation. Because Sarah's always been good at caring for me. Sarah's not a selfish woman, never has been. She will lay down her life. Literally, she will... Destroy herself because of someone else around her she loves. And she's made choices almost too far that direction. I've been too far that direction. And now she's becoming a more healthy person than our love is. So this is a great adventure. Why wouldn't people want God's help on whatever it is that you're dealing with? Why right. yeah, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, and who can't relate to that, you know, not necessarily to that story, but a, you know, a phone call or an email or new you know just devastating news and then they kind of spiral down into like you, you know spiral down into themselves and figure out how do i control this situation how do i fix this instead of you know just inviting god in that space and you know letting and really just checking in and saying you know god what what is your focus here and where do i need to be focused and what do you know what do i need to to do here so
0: and i think that's what salvation primarily means i think we made a big mistake 150, 200 years ago, we made salvation about destiny. It's about heaven or hell. And what steps do I need to go through to make sure I get my ticket to heaven punched and I don't have to go to hell? And all that struggle instead of, and then we miss the fact, no, God's come to save us right now. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent and believe. And salvation is Jesus is with us to rescue us from what the world is doing to destroy us. Destiny will take care of itself in the long run. It's, it's not like that has to be the first consideration. We're not there yet. We're not at the end of life. Right in life now, Jesus wants to be our rescuer. He wants to be our salvation. He wants to save us, even from the stupid things I've done to create disaster in my own life. He wants to rescue me from me. And how we got that message thrown off to eternity, and then we've got to just be good people now to make sure we keep our ticket punched. I think we've just cheapened the gospel so much when Jesus has invited us to know me now, let me come alongside you, and I will rescue you from all the places you've gotten lost. And I will carve a path for you through the difficulties of the world. And we are definitely in those difficult times right now. He's got a way to carve a path for us through it and wants to walk with us as that happens. And I just tell people, if you haven't found that kind of a relationship with Jesus, man, there's nothing more important to do in this pandemic with all the extra time you have, than to lean back and say, Jesus, would you teach me how to live inside of you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, it's funny that you bring that up because I talk about that in episode two. So this will come out, you know, a little little over, our episode will come out a little over a week. I just talk about, you know, just that life that he gives, you know, he, we believe he, you know, his spirit comes and lives in us. And there's, you know, verses that talk about that in Romans and just, you know, no, no, number of years ago, it just, you know, those just smacked me in the face. <laughs> you know, I know I'd read it before, but, you know, just how those moments when God just kind of shows up and, you know, hits you over the head with a two by four, as my, <laughs> my dad used to say, and just makes you realize, oh my gosh, you know, the spirit of God lives in me and I have access to the, you know, the God who created the universe, who's, you know, right there, not, you know, walking by me, beside me necessarily, but, you know, within, he's present at every, every moment in, in every circumstance. And, you know, I can, I can ask and I can just check in, just say, you know, God, what do you, know, what do you have for me today? So, yeah, I talk about just that daily, just that daily living of, and that connection and relationship with him. It's, you know, so, so adventurous and.
0: And, and I love that definition of believe, because most people are saying, do you believe? They mean, do you believe in the creedal statements that Jesus, you know, or the doctrine that Jesus died on the cross of our sins? And, and it's important to believe the truth and know the truth. But believing the way you just talked about is when God speaks to my heart, do I believe him or do I believe Wayne? Wayne's ideas, Wayne's thoughts, Wayne, I, my, my Life is a constant conflict between this thought that comes into my head that's not weighing, because I know it from the start. I'm arguing with it. Whatever the thought is, God, you know, would you let her go? No, no, I won't let her go. Would you? When I went through a betrayal of a close friend and say, you know, I've got more to teach you if you walk away than if you stay. Now, if I don't believe that statement, if I just I'm going to fight my way back in, I'm the third of four boys grew up on a farm. You want to fight with me? I'm going to I'm in. So Wayne's inclination is to fight. God's telling me to walk away. Now, if I fight a different set of circumstances unfold in my life that God may have to rescue me from up the road with something else. But right now he's offering me a doorway into a different way of processing this circumstance and life is in choosing to believe what he said that by believing we have life in his name. And I, I love that definition of belief. It's not just, I believe the right creeds as important as those are. It's no, I believe him when he speaks to me and I'm finding that voice of God in my life and I'm leaning into it rather than doing what fear drives me to do, what anxiety drives me to do, what Wayne's best intelligence drives me to do which almost always only increases the disaster going on. And I love that.
1: Yeah. And we could say we believe something, you know, but if you break that word down, believe, you know, there's two words, be and really live. It's like we really are what we live. And so you show me how you live and I'll tell you what you believe. I can see what you believe, you know, just in the way you respond to situations and in the way you react and, and you know, how your life plays out. Um, cause we can say all we want, like you said, we can say, I believe in these creedal statements, but you know, once stuff hits the fan we, <laughs> and, uh, you know, life happens and I can, I can tell you what, you know, I can tell you what believe just by looking at your life, just by seeing how you respond to different situations.
0: And that's why being, having that sense of being loved is so important because I, there's things that got put my heart that I, I don't know I'm loved. I won't go down those roads. I can't wrap my head around. I can't wrap my heart around it. But if I know I'm loved and I know this is God, then even when it looks like the dumbest road in the world, I know the one who loves me is inviting me to that. You know, if you, and, and Jesus warned us about that. He said, you know, if you're going to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose it for my sake, you'll find it. So he's already warning us. Your first inclination is usually going to take you to greater disaster. And yet if you'll give up saving yourself, if you give up your wisdom, your point, and then in that space, When God makes Himself known, and I've always said, love is the conduit to truth. If you don't know your love, you'll never hear the truth, and you'll never believe the truth. But where you know your love, then you can listen, and then you believe, and then you'll take the risk, and then you'll find out. Oh my gosh, it really was a better way to go, but I couldn't see it at the time.
1: Yeah, and you know that, that. I think that's such an important thing is seeing and just knowing that you're loved. I know that. You know, when I. Came across your book and, and podcast. You know, I know you have a book out there called He Loves Me. That's one of your most popular books, and people really connect with. You know, when I read that book the first time, I just thought, you know, I I, I know most of this, but I think as I really started listening to to some of your different views on God, and especially, you know, I know you talk about there was a pivotal moment in your life where you had someone introduced to you a different view of the cross, and what happened there. And I was just wondering if you could if you could touch on that that briefly and and kind of how that unfolded and how that how that changed in your life to to learning to live more loved even especially you know in that that view of the cross
0: then twenty five words or less yeah it's always it's always hard to talk i I can talk about the cross for fifteen hours because it just it really, when I when I used to read about Paul, the only thing I know is Christ and Christ crucified, and the only thing I preach is Christ and Christ, and I just go, I can't on, Paul, branch out, man. there's so many other things to cover. And uh, I think partly because the cross was not good news to me. The cross, as I understood it growing up, was there's this angry deity because of our sin, and he's got to take the purest thing in the world and crush it and kill it and torture it to to satisfy his justice for me. Now, if that's the story, and that's the story I grew up with, I love I'm endeared to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for jumping in the way of that horrible, horrible God and rescuing my soul. But it doesn't endear me to God. It doesn't endear me to the Father. And I, that's how I grew up. I grew up with, yeah, Jesus, I'm gonna stay tight with you. I don't wanna be in God's presence without hiding behind you. Cause you know, God's God just wants to whack stuff. And the only reason he's not gonna whack me is cause he whacked you instead. And when I was in Australia, I was 42. It was six months after my best friend had betrayed me. It was my co pastor at a church and ended up leaving that. And in, in a real fit of pain, for sure. But I heard these guys talking about the cross as curative rather than punitive, as the father and son conspiring together. And conspiring is kind of a strange word. Most think of it as being evil stuff. But they're working together, coordinating together to destroy sin and shame. In humanity, And so it wasn't Jesus being punished for God. It was Jesus becoming the atoning sacrifice. So he who knew no sin takes sin into himself. He becomes sin itself, according to 2 Corinthians 5, so that in the words of Romans chapter 8, God can condemn sin in the likeness of sinful flesh. So here we've got, instead of, here's the analogy I think a lot of people, uh, I see it. If, uh, if I'm with you, Will, your house, and you do something to offend me and hurt me, and you lie about me, and it, it, I get angry at you, and then you want me to forgive you, and I was like, well, I could forgive you, but I'm pretty angry. I need to satisfy my justice first. But here's what I'll do. Instead of punishing you, I'll go get my 33-year-old son, and I'll get a baseball bat, and I will beat him to death. I will take out all my anger for you on him, and then I come back to Amarillo. Are you going to want to be friends with that? And I wouldn't think you would. I wouldn't think anybody would unless, well, if I don't believe that, then I'm going to go to hell. So I better like believe it and think God must be good because he, uh, but I think we've got the atonement story so wrong. Jesus is like not, not, not the son taking our punishment. He's the son who took our disease into himself. It'd be like if we had cancer or we had COVID and we're dying from, or we had whatever, he takes our disease into himself. And now the love of God in the form of wrath, but that wrath isn't even what we think it is. We think wrath is God just gets really mad and kill stuff. Wrath is the love of God at its most extreme so that it can kill the sin that destroys us. It's the full weight of God's being brought against that which destroys the object of his affection. So wrath is directed at ungodliness, not people, not us, at sin in us. So Jesus takes, takes our sin and God is the antidote. He's the chemotherapy. He's pouring that love in the form of wrath that destroys sin in the likeness of sinful flesh. When I heard that story, I went, oh my gosh, is that true? Because I've never been taught that. 42 years, Bible believing, university, you know, pastoring for 20 years. I've never heard this story. Can't be true, obviously. And yet something in my heart was saying, "Don't, don't reject it. Don't be so quick. And I came back six months, I searched the scriptures, I talked to every theologically-minded person I knew, troubleshoot this for me, what's wrong with this? And and I came out of it going, you know what, this is the better story. This is the story. Our previous story fits our misunderstandings from the Old Testament about God. Notice I didn't say the Old Testament misunderstands God, our misunderstandings of the Old Testament Right. And that was true in Jesus' day. The Pharisees, the ones who understood Scripture the most, couldn't recognize God when he stood in the room with them. That, that needs to be a severe warning to us all. But, I, but then I realized, boy, in the New Testament, New Testament is talking about the cross not as punitive. It's talking about as curative, reconciling God to man. It wasn't, we were God's enemy, but God wasn't ours. God, the relationship was broken from our side. It wasn't broken from his side. And you see that language in the New Testament. You are going, okay, these guys on the other side of the cross could look back and say, let's tell you a better story. It, yeah, it can look like to an old covenant mind that, yeah, somebody needs to be punished. So God's going to whack his kid and then we get to get out of jail free card. But from the other side of having our shame resolved in the cross of Jesus Christ, and now we can with confidence come before the throne of grace and know God and be aside him as a, as a, as a friend to the transcendent creator, Now that's the good, that's why Paul could say at the end of his teaching on the cross, Romans chapter eight, now I know that nothing separates me from the love of God. I used to read that going, I don't get that because I get how Jesus loves me. I don't get from the cross story. I used to hear how Jesus loves me. Now the father who has to do to his son what he would prefer to do to himself, any, any parent knows, man, your kid going through surgery is worse than you going through it. For Jesus to be the host and for God to be the surgeon Oh, my, my, what did he go through in that as well? And now I am endeared to both father and son. And that to me is what changed everything. And it's been a lifetime of exploring that. that. But that opened the door to a different way of seeing my father than I'd ever seen him before. And that made me more aware of his love.
1: Yeah, and I want to point out, too, something you said about you know, God pouring out his wrath on ungodliness, not, not us. And I think that's, uh, you know, that's such an important distinction because, you know, like you, I grew up in an evangelical church, grew up, you know, grew up in church. And I I never heard that story before I've heard, you know, before I heard you you share it a few years ago as well. And just that whole idea of it, of the cross being curative rather than punitive, it's just, it's a game changer. It really is. It's, you know, I know it, it has really deepened my love for God, uh, you know, and I had a, a pretty tumultuous relationship with my earthly father and, you know, perfectionism and things like that. And it just, you know, that, I think we tend to do that too. You know, our, the relationship we have with our earthly fa- father, we tend to project onto God and our heavenly father. Uh, but then also these things that we learn in, in church and teachings, and things like that often doesn't help our, our view of God, you know, as being more punitive, as, you know, punishing us or, you know, I know, a lot of people come from a background where it's a you know, very religious background where god just you know sitting up in heaven waiting to for us to make a mistake and then strike us down or punish us or things like that and so how would you encourage people who have that kind of background like where where do they start what do they how do they start moving into this more relational and more you know this this living loved kind of view of god
0: I would say, first of all, just be open to it. Just be open to the fact we're not we're not really open to things that oh, I mean, I've been wrong for 40 years, and we're not really open to that stuff because we. The more investment you have in something, the more you want to protect it. And I think, first of all, just be open to the fact that we, we may have gotten a bit of the gospel wrong. That the way, and then read. Then you'll read the Bible. You read the Gospels, and you'll read the letters a little differently. Uh, realize that the institution of Christianity had a lot to gain by inculcating fear in its constituents. Fear makes it easy to motivate people. We see it in politics all the time. We've seen it uh, in the last eight years, uh, tremendously in this country. Uh, Fear is an easy way to manipulate people. And and religion has used it. A fear of this God who's, you know, going to throw you in hell and if you don't do that. And we postured God as this divine cop who's parked behind the, the, the billboard and he's waiting to run us down when we step out of line. And it has kept us from knowing a God who loves us. And the fear, I think, of religious leaders is always, you know, if you teach people they're loved and that God's not this meany, then they'll just do all kinds of... And some people will misuse that reality to please themselves. But... Here's what I know now, 25 years in, love changes me far more than fear ever could. I mean, I am endeared to this God. When I see that he does have all the best wisdom about the stuff going on in my life, this is not a, okay, I've got to follow God today. It's, oh my gosh, I wouldn't want to walk through my life without this father who loves Wayne like, like his beloved son. And there's just nothing he won't do to help me navigate my life and help me learn to listen and follow him. And so people who are not on this road, who've been inculcated with a lot of fear and guilt. And if you stop doing certain things, you feel really guilty. So you go back and do those things. I'm saying lean out of the guilt space, lean out of the fear space, begin to at least be open to the possibility that when Jesus said that I I love you, my Father loves you, and I want you to learn to live in our love, that was the new command, right? New command, I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So love comes first from him. John was real clear about that. Love doesn't come from me, it comes from him. First love is not how much you love God, it's how much you are loved by God. And when you ask God to show you his love, then let him do it. That's the best prayer in the world. Father, I don't know that you love me. Would you show me? And then give him time and space. Don't like demand by noon today. It'd be all fixed. Just <laughs> This will take years of letting the reality of his love sink to you past the lies of this age and the lies of the enemy and the lies that, no, God doesn't love me. Look at my horrible life. Look, I've been through this circumstance. My husband left me. My, my wife cheated on me. My boss treated me cheated me at work. I, we can look at all the evidence and say, well, of course God doesn't love me. God's not in the circumstances. That's the brokenness of the world. God's in you to navigate those circumstances with his life and wisdom. And if you at least be open to it, I think you'll begin to see it. And when you see it and, and respond to it, it'll become even clearer. And you're sp- be- it just as this ongoing clarity that awakens in us. Over time, I had 25 years of awakening into this and I am just scratching the surface. I'm not sitting here going, oh, I'm an expert on this love thing. I am not, I prove it every day to myself. But I am involved in the joy of this journey. And I, where I can live in the reality of his love, my life is good even when it's hard. And when I don't live in that, my life's no fun even when it's good.
1: You know, I've I've been on this uh, you know similar trajectory journey for about ten years, and I, I think it's important to realize too. It doesn't, like you said, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in half a day. It doesn't happen even in weeks or months. But you know, it takes years to to unpack and unfold everything that God has for us. And so I, you know, it's it's and like you said, it's so much fun. It's yeah. it's a lot more fun than than living by obligation and duty and <laughs> and all those things. And it you know meeting friends along the way and brothers who are ahead of you and people that you can encourage. I mean, it's just a lot of, a lot of fun.
0: I think it's good to see those years. If we're looking ahead, oh, it may take months or years, not as you unpacking stuff. I think it'd be better to see it as God winning you. It's like when I fell in love, or when I, I didn't fall in love with Sarah initially, but I was definitely attracted to the young woman. But I didn't, I didn't go to her and say, you must love me because I love you. I won her into my love. We dated. We learned more about each other. The way I treated her, you know, all God wants to win you into his love. God's not asking you to just take a flying jump off the cliff and believe it. No, I want to win you into it. Will you let me win you? Will you open your heart to me? Will you dare to believe it? Will you will you look? And then God, God does the process of winning us into love. And when he does that, it wins us into growing trust. And where he does that, we find freedom to live loved and free and full in the world.
1: Yeah. I love, I love that perspective. Just God winning us into that's Yeah. That's such a good way to put that. So,
0: cause we're not good enough to do it ourselves for sure. No, we're,
1: <laughs> no, we're not. I know that by, by experience. So, well, Wayne, thank you so much for joining well, us on, it- on the podcast this week. And, you know, I really appreciate your friendship and, and your writings and podcasts. And so if you want to let people know where, where again to find you uh, on the web and on your podcast,
0: Oh, you can Google Wayne Jacobs, and you'll get more crud than you'll ever want, but lifestream.org is where I hang out mostly, and there's a link there to my to my podcast, which is thegodjourney.com. So you've done 783 of these things. Um, I'm not sure. I, always, I never thought we'd do that many podcasts. I'm like, oh, really? So I, I don't know where all that ends. I like when God uses things for a season and then lets them go. I keep looking for a reason to let this go, but God keeps opening up conversations that I want to have with people. I, I enjoy conver- conversing with you, Will, even even if we're not recording them. Uh, it's just been great to know you and to watch your life and uh, to be involved with you and your family. So my, my best to you in, the, in this podcast and the audience you find to help encourage on this journey. be awesome.
1: Thank you, Wayne. Thank you, my friend. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Wayne and also that you see a little more clearly what it means to live loved and how Father consistently wins us into a greater and greater reality of His love. And realize it's a process and a journey an ever-unfolding adventure into this reality. So next week, I'm just going to tell a little bit of my own story of learning more about God's love in my own life, in my own journey, and give some more thoughts on my conversation with Wayne. But right now, I want to tell you how you can win the giveaway, one of Wayne's books. And if you want to enter a chance to win a free copy of Wayne's book, Live, Loved, Free, Full, all you have to do is email me at will at adventurelifeministries.com. Just let me know you want to be entered in the drawing. I will choose a name live on Facebook this coming Sunday, January twenty fourth. So that will give people a little bit of time to listen to the podcast, enter the content, or enter the giveaway. So you don't have to, you don't have to like anything. You don't have to, you know, tweet out all your friends, things like that. I mean, feel free to if you want to. But uh, you know, there's an adventure Facebook page where you can connect with me. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter. But to enter again. Just email me your desire to win a copy of Wayne's book at will at com, Or, you know, you can message me on Facebook or Instagram if we're connected on one of those platforms. So go ahead, email me right away. And also, if you have questions, if you have thoughts or questions about the podcast, I would love to hear from you. You you can email me at that same address or on any of the platforms that that we're connected on. Because I want to know, you know, is this helpful for you? Also, would like to know, are there any questions that you have or you know, about any of the topics that I've talked about or have had conversations about so far? Are there any topics you want to see me address in the future? Or, you know, so would love to, to hear from you on those things. But until next time, my friends, I just pray that you know without a doubt that God loves you and that you walk in that love this week. And until next week, my friends... Enjoy the journey.